Hello and welcome to another episode of our program, Develop. Today we'll be continuing on with our series on God's training drills and it's part two and today I'm looking at how God builds us and prepares us for significance. You know, about 10 years ago, I was invited to speak at a women's conference interstate and um, I got really excited about this invitation because I was on a speaker lineup alongside a couple of celebrities from America and I was so excited about it. I thought this is such an amazing opportunity and uh, I did a countdown for about 12 months because the uh, invitation came so early. And uh, finally, the weekend arrived. And so I headed into state and uh, met up with the other speakers. And I was so delighted at how lovely and down to earth they were, um, despite their fame. Um, it was quite a prestigious women's event. There was expected uh, to be about 1,500 people in the audience, 1,500 women. And um, anyway, I met up with the other speakers and we had a lovely evening. We exchanged details and we connected on social media. And then I went off to my room um, at this beautiful five-star hotel, may I add. And um, later that evening, I was just uh, looking at my Facebook when um, I realised that these girls had actually posted a photo of a hamper that they had received in their rooms. And uh, of course, I zoomed in to see uh, what was in their hamper because it looked a little different to mine. And up until that point, my hamper of flowers and chocolates had seemed really, really generous until I zoomed in and I couldn't help but notice that these girls had the addition of some designer items in there. And um, as I looked even closer, I realised that their hamper was probably worth hundreds of dollars. And so I really felt it in my gut. I thought, wow, am I not that important? Am I not worth as much as them? And why did they, why did I get this hamper? And why did they get that? And it really messed with me for a short while. But I thought, you know what? I have just got to stay focused. And so um, I just prayed and I asked God to sort of lift that burden and that, that real feeling of, I guess, insecurity and, um, and not enough off of me. And um, I calmed down. I had a good night's sleep eventually. Woke up in the morning, uh, got myself ready and um, had enough time to look through my notes once again as well. And then I headed downstairs uh, where our chauffeur was waiting to collect us and drive us to the conference centre. And so as I made my way down, he took my bags from me and put them in the boot. And I just jumped into the, um, the, the minivan, said hi to everybody and everyone was excited. And there was such a lovely buzz in the air and we all spoke and chatted and it was a really nice drive to this venue. So anyway, we get to the venue when we're driving into this huge conference centre um, that was, I don't know, a, a, probably a you know, just short of half a kilometre down the driveway alone. And as we drove down, there were billboards and banners with our faces on them um, lining the path. And um, something on the inside of me went, oh, this feels really good. I'm pretty sure I was the only one that felt that way because they were already celebrities and they were already, you know, probably very familiar with the fame. And But for me, it was also new and, and it felt lovely. Um, anyway, we... Um, parked the car and I got out of the car and I uh, made my way over to the driver uh, to collect my luggage from the boot because we were unloading because he was going off. He was just a, you know, a, a strange driver. And um, 
got my bags out and um, noticed that my luggage was the only luggage in the boot. And so I just casually turned around and said to the others, hey guys, you travel lightly. And then there was this awkward silence. And um, then the driver um, silently and very quietly told me that actually I was the only one going home that night and the others were staying till tomorrow because they were actually doing some more speaking at, um, at some other events tomorrow, but for the same organisers. And so in that moment, I cannot tell you how small I felt. I cannot tell you how it felt to feel like the world was caving in on me and I wondered whether I'd just been a charity invite, whether I was just the tag along, whether I was just the person who really didn't fit in, who really shouldn't have been there, but I was there anyway and everything within me sunk. I felt so small and so insignificant. And um, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I feel so, so rattled, but I need a get to get myself together I need to pull myself together because in a short while I need to be up on stage presenting my keynote and so um the, the rest of the morning, um, the crowd was wonderful and my message went down well so that sort of you know um salvaged my ego ever so slightly but the organizers were so over um so all over these other girls that um I really just um really, really struggled to shake off that insecurity that sat within me. But I pushed through, but I knew that God needed to do some work with me and I needed to do business with God because the way that it unraveled me was way too deep and way too cutting and way too serious for it to just be a superficial issue. Anyway, I wonder whether for you, you resonate with my story not just where you sit there and you listen and you go, oh, poor Susie, but no. I wonder whether you have pursued significance in any shape or form in your world with people that you know, whether you have really sought value and significance from either your achievements or from, your, um, from the approval of other people in your world. And I wonder whether, you know, that's landed flat on its face, maybe not quite like my scenario, but still you felt it right in the gut and it nauseated you and it messed with you. You know what? We all, we all are on the search for value and significance. It's not unusual. There's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with me. In fact, God himself, God himself has a destiny and a life of significance for you and for me. God himself desires a life of significance for us. But you know what? The difference is that in order for us to actually step into God's significance, he needs to take us through his training drills so that we can be prepared for what his significance looks like. And you know, Joseph in the Bible is a great example of a young man where God put him through some really, really excruciating training drills so that he could launch him into a significant destiny. You see, God desires our significance, but in order to shape us, he puts us into these training drills. And so I want to walk us through some of the training drills that Joseph himself experienced. It starts off where Joseph had a dream. And so we pick this story up from Genesis chapter 37 and verse 5. 
Joseph had a dream, it says, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, what? Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then Joseph had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow to you before you on the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You see, the story of Joseph continues from that moment on and his training drills continued harder and faster and he landed himself into all sorts of situations let me walk you through just some of those so that we can catch the incredible training drills that Joseph had to endure. But, you know, if he did not endure these, he would not have been prepared for the destiny and the significance that God had for him. You see, Joseph's brothers ended up hating him so badly that they ended up selling him to Egyptian traders who then took him and sold him into Potiphar's house as a slave boy. So here Joseph was, first he thinks he's got this grand dream and he gets excited about it because, hey, with that dream comes significance, comes leadership, comes approval. And he would have thought, wow, this is outstanding. But what he stepped into was very, very different to what his dream looked like and what he was probably even expecting. So he's in Potiphar's house as a slave boy and then things unravel even more and Potiphar's wife begins to actually grow an attraction towards Joseph and she ends up seducing him and he resists and resists but then suddenly one day she grabs him by the cloak and she says, come and sleep with me and he's so adamant that he would not dishonour his master and he says, no way, I wouldn't dishonour my master and I wouldn't dishonour my God and he runs away and leaves his cloak in her hand. And so what does she do? She accuses him and she turns the story around and she tells her husband that it was Joseph who tried to seduce her. And so, of course, her husband's just furious. And so he throws Joseph into jail. And here's Joseph yet again. This dream is looking like it's so far in the review mirror that it is ridiculous. But he's now in jail and through a series of events, he ends up meeting with two of Pharaoh's men who were also put in jail. And these men end up having a dream and then asking um, Joseph, because they hear that he's got this ability to interpret dreams. And so they ask him for his interpretation and his interpretation is absolutely accurate. And so that actually leads to another series of events where um, the... Uh, one of the, the men, the uh, butler, ends up telling Pharaoh when he's released from prison that um, Joseph 
is a dream interpreter. It took him two years to do that. So whilst Joseph thought that, you know, this man was going to go out and tell Pharaoh that there's this amazing young man in prison, Joseph, you know, you threw him in there and actually he's a good man and he's innocent. But the butler went out and forgot all about it until one night when Pharaoh woke up and he had a dream that he wanted interpreted and it was then that poor Joseph's name surfaced. And so Pharaoh calls on Joseph and Joseph interprets his dream and Pharaoh thinks, oh my goodness, this guy is something. And so he ends up putting him in charge of his whole palace. And we have Joseph now in this place where he's finally, finally seeing a bit of a break. And we read in the scripture that he's second in charge over all of Egypt after Pharaoh. But you see, Joseph wasn't ready to experience and to be launched into his significance all the way back then. He was in prison for a long time and we're told that it took 13 years for Joseph's dreams to eventuate. But that was God putting him through his training drills, which seemed excruciating and sometimes even unfair. But God all the while knew what he was doing. And when Joseph was finally there, he was ready, he was seasoned and he was very, very sure on the fact that his significance comes from nothing that he dreams and nothing that he's capable of pulling off. And so what does that mean for you and for me? For Joseph, it was about preparing him. And for us, God puts us through training drills to prepare us for the incredible significance that he has for us too. But let's have a look at why. Why is this God's process? Why does God need to put us through these painful training drills. And so I want to unpack some thoughts today. Firstly, firstly, God puts us through these training drills because he wants to free us from ourselves. Do you know what? You and I can be our own worst enemies. You and I can actually set ourselves up for so much failure. When we pursue significance and value through our um, accomplishments, our achievements and approval and applauds of other people, we end up falling on our face because you see, that's like chasing the wind. That is a bottomless pit that is never, ever quenched. And maybe it might happen once and we can feel good about it. But then we're back to square one and then we want some more. It's like this drug that just wants more and more and more. And so God puts us through these training drills so that we can come out of them and know that actually our significance does not come from anything that we pursue. That is empty and it's pointless. And so that's point number one. Point number two is that God puts us through these painful training drills because he wants our emotional stability. He wants us to be emotionally stable. You think about it. When you are constantly striving and chasing significance through your achievements or through other people's approval, 
that is actually emotionally turbulent, right? Like you're really just constantly on this emotional high and an emotional low and, and you know, God just watches and he says, no, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to be emotionally unstable like this. I want you to be stable. I want you to be, I want you to be constant. I want you to know that your significance comes from me. And God just watches us and he thinks, no, you are significant whether you are loved or rejected whether you are um, applauded or booed, whether you know you see success or whether you see failure, regardless of what you experience and regardless of what happens, you have significance. And we have got to know that the hard training drills are actually working and shaping us to be able to see that and get that and embrace that. And, and, and to see that God's desire for our emotional stability is actually such a blessing and such freedom for our lives. Because you see, when we're chasing significance through these things, we end up losing sleep over it. We can even get sick over it. But we end up either, you know, despising ourselves or despising life or despising people who aren't giving us what we're looking to get from them. And thirdly, Well, before that, actually, have a look at this. It says, God wants to dismantle our mantelpiece so he can give us his mighty piece. You see, God's not interested on all the trophies and the medals that we place up on our mantelpiece that make us feel good. God's not interested in that. God knows that those things don't really float our boat. Those things don't really cut it for us. He wants to trade all those things that sit on our mantelpiece and he wants to give us his mighty peace. And that leads me to point three. You see, God puts us through these painful training drills because he wants to use us significantly. He wants to use you and me ever so significantly. Here's a plan for your life and for my life. And he knows that we can't be used significantly until he actually breaks us. And whilst that sounds so painful, yet it is so necessary. It is so necessary to mould us and to shape us. Because you see, we can never be too small to be used by God, but we can certainly be too big to be used by God. God wants us to develop in our substance and in our character and in our understanding of who we are and our worth. And that way he knows that he can best use us. And so please know God wants to use you significantly and that is why he works with us. He coaches us. He's that coach that comes alongside us, the athlete, and he says, keep going, keep going. Yes, it hurts. I'm not breaking you so that I can dispose of you. I'm breaking you because I'm strengthening you. I'm breaking you because this is how I know that you can be used and you can be everything that I created you to be. And so we are never too broken. You are never too broken to be used, but you are broken to be used. Let that sink inside your soul and catch that and get that and know that that is God's heart for you. He's alongside you. He's not working against you. So what do we do with all that? 
got three quick ideas. Firstly, we can learn to say no. We can learn to be really resolute in the face of the enemy and in the face of that um, inner pursuit that rises up and tries to tell us that we can pursue significance on our own and that it's going to feed us and satisfy us and fulfill us. Stand up and say no to that. Stomp your feet. Dig your heels in the ground and just say, absolutely no way. And you might need to make that decision every single day. But hey, so what? An athlete needs to get up and every single day, they might not feel like training, but they know that it's good for them and they need to say no to lying in bed, no to eating extra carbs, no to doing what they feel like doing and yes to getting out there and knowing what God is asking of them. Secondly, we need to say yes. You see, we need to say yes to lifting other people up, to serving other people, because the more we do that, the less the attention on us. We can make our world so small by thinking about us and pursuing our significance and value in our achievements and in other people's approval of us. And the world can seem like it revolves around us. But I want to leave you with a little exercise to begin to say no to that voice that tries to pursue significance alone and yes to the voice that says let other people go forward lift other people up and then finally we can learn to say team you and I need a practice ensuring that we don't do life solo that we don't do life independently trying to fly our own flag and float our own boat. But when the enemy turns up, we can say, you know what? You can go and do something else. You can go and keep yourself busy somewhere else because I'm in this with my team. We're all together. This is not about me. This is about us. And together, we're a mighty force. And so God is breaking your unstable self-authored significance so he can build your stable God-authored significance. Failure is not a wall, it is a pathway. The next time you feel like God's getting in your way when you're trying to pursue significance, I want you to know that God is not putting up walls. God is alongside you. He's the one that wants to launch you into the incredible significance that he has for you. He is creating a pathway for you. He's creating the most awesome pathway that leads you exactly where he wants you to go. And so I don't know whether the story I shared earlier from my experience 10 years back resonates with you. I don't know whether you've had a moment that has erupted in your world um, as big as mine where it was so confronting where you knew that something was amiss on the inside and even though maybe you didn't even realise that you were chasing significance and value like me back then. I didn't realise that was, it was that big in my world and it was consuming me, but it must have been because it unravelled me so badly. And I don't know what it's like for you. Maybe it's just little trickles and little subtle little, you know, whispers in your ear here and there, but you've decided to sort of like, you know, keep that beast over there. But I want to encourage you, just like I did 10 years ago, pull it out address it. I spent the whole flight back home and I think probably a month after that addressing that, digging deep and asking God why it messed with me so, so badly. <clears throat> and God brought me to the realisation that I was pursuing my own significance. I wanted to be something. I wanted to be someone. And he was saying, no, 
no, it broke you so bad because it's everything you want. And then you realise that it was slipping out of your fingers and it was futile. But get your significance from me. And that has been a daily decision that I've had to make ever since then. And that day, back 10 years ago, I said to God that I will only ever deliver for an audience of two. That's him and one other person in the crowd I said to God, if it's just one other person in every crowd, I'm fine with that. If it's just one person that buys my books and resources, I'm fine with that. And I have had to remake that decision every single day. Some days it's, some days it's easy, some days it's a little bit harder, but I'm adamant and God is building my muscles so that I can actually not only say it, but feel like it is my deep heart desire and craving. And so just like Joseph... He thought that God had a local dream for him, but no, God had a global dream for him and God has a global dream for you and God has a global dream for me. You and I were created for influence. And so why don't you actually sit with God and say, what are you telling me to do? How are you going to put me through this drill? How am I going to come out strong, resolute, and completely, completely confident that my significance is in you and you alone and know that God will walk with you and guide you. He will open all the right doors, whether you try and find them or not, God is finding them, locating them, opening up the right doors and closing the wrong ones because he has a future of significance for you. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this message from Susie Botchas about how God trains us for our immovable significance. Now, we pray that God would have already spoken to you through this message. But even more than that, we pray that God will continue to speak with you as you reflect and unpack. And so to do that, we're providing you with three helpful, reflective questions that you could either use by yourself or maybe even with a few trusted friends. And so I'm about to read these questions to you, but I encourage you to take a screenshot or a photo of the screen so that you have these questions for your reference. Now, the first question is this, what stood out to you from today's message? And the second question, what are the areas where you try and find your significance in, your achievements or in other people's approval? And lastly, this, What do you feel God's saying to you today about your value and significance? Thank you again for listening and tuning in. We pray that God will speak with you as you reflect and unpack with him or maybe with others also.